0: Listening to The Currency Welcome. I'm your host, Mike Gaston. I'm a brand and marketing strategist, and this podcast is all about the story of private business in America. I am sitting in the Yard Brewing Company's tap room with the founder and owner of Yard's Brewing Company, Tom Kehoe. Tom, welcome to The Currency. Great to be here. Very psyched. Yeah, I'm psyched too. <laughs> uh, first of all, this is just a phenomenal place, so we'll talk a little bit about the facility and the business. The other thing is, I'm allowed to drink on the job today. We've got a couple really nice beers sitting in front of us. When in the brewery, drink a beer. That's right. Well, and, and your motto is "brew unto others." Yes. So I feel like this is just as a good start to the whole concept, and we'll talk about that too. Tom, thanks for joining me today. I'm really interested in learning more about Yards and your story. You guys are uh, kind of a legend here in Philadelphia, and a city that's really known for craft brewing. I mean, city. Uh, I think of Philly. I think it's got quite a history of, of yeah. beer.
1: We, Philadelphia was Milwaukee before Milwaukee. We had a huge boom <laughs> of breweries early on, and uh, we actually built the brewed the first lager in the United States right here in Philadelphia.
0: See, that's something. So, as folks, as you're listening to today's uh, podcast, you're going to hear a little bit of ambient noise. So there's a, there's a, a tap room, dining area. So you're going to hear some noise in the background. We'll just uh, add a little bit to the experience. Unfortunately, we can't share a beer with you today, but you can always stop in the yards if you are in Philly. So Tom, let's start with the story. This uh, company that you founded uh, started, I think, with you goofing around with beers in the 1980s for your friends, if I understand correctly. Yeah, and- I started
1: making beer in my dorm room. And uh, me and my buddy were, you know, John Bovitt, and we were making beer. Uh, we got a kit and it took us a little while to to do it, you know. In a sense, the way homebrew works, and uh, we came out with beer and shared it with all of our fraternity brothers, and it was a hit. You were instant heroes. Yeah, I'm sure. was, yeah. I mean, it was it was like the better beer that you would
0: have bef- before you went out. So, so, so it's, was a lot. yeah, it's like uh, you know, there's that famous parable in the Bible where Jesus turns water into wine, right? And and of course, it's deep into this wedding ceremony, and the whole thing is. They can't believe that the best wine was saved for last. Usually, You drink the good stuff first, <laughs> and then you give the guests the cheap stuff after they had a few. Exactly. So you were making the good stuff.
1: We were making the good stuff. You know, it was, it, we, I mean, we really had no idea what we were doing. We were just following the instructions. But it kind of started to build that passion, and it was a lot of fun.
0: What, like, why did you start doing it? Was it to save money? Was it like, hey, we're college kids, no cash? Or was it just a, a curiosity about beer?
1: What, it was what? really just because we were able to do it. Yeah. You know, it's like, we, you can make beer?
0: Yeah, let's make beer. That's you know, cool. let's see what let's see what we can do. That's curiosity, yeah, it really was. What were you studying in school? Uh, I, I started out as an engineering and then ended up switching over to business. Okay, so. so was there like this moment as the beer started taking off when you realized maybe I should get a business degree, or is that just a happenstance? It, just a happenstance. Okay. yeah, <laughs> nice. So that was the '80s. Um, you started uh, playing with making beer on your own, just to, uh, kind of hobbyists. Uh, your fraternity brothers were very grateful for your efforts. Um, at what point did this transition into a business? So there's a couple little stories that go right with that
1: and right before that, which is kind of kind of fun. So we had a professor come up to us and say, so I hear you're making beer. And <laughs> this is going to go one of two ways. Right? <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, oh, we're in trouble or well, let's see what happens. It's like, yeah, we are, but we only give it to our friends. And he was like, well, that's great. <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm a home brewer myself, he says, and we're brewing this weekend and we're doing all grain brewing. Would you like to stop by and check oh, it out? Nice. And I'd love to try some of your guys' beer. Okay. And that was the big thing with homebrewers, always sharing and trying each other's beer and or everybody critique, critiquing each other. Yeah. So we ended up showing up there, making a beer with all grain. You know, now we're total amateurs at this point using extract, you know, homebrewing. Where were you set up, by the way? I'm thinking of two guys in a dorm. Like, where was your? So there's a dorm room and then there's like a little sort of like, it wasn't quite a laundry room because there wasn't any laundry stuff in there. But there's a little side room that we had a hot plate. And we actually just boiled it right there in, 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 in the hot plate and boiled the beer. The smell. <laughs> right. And then we, we put the plastic bucket in our closet and covered it with you know blankets so you know, to keep it warm enough or whatever. But it was, it was fine. You didn't really need the blankets to keep it the nice. right temperature. So and it nice. had an airlock, just like all home brewers yep. do. Yep. So we were, we were making beer. And like the, the, the hardest thing was actually going into the shower to clean the bottles. Because <laughs> you wanted to get to clean and sanitize yeah. the bottles. This is no th- shortage in bottles on the dorm room, though, which yeah, was great. Yeah, but it's a men's dorm, right? <laughs> right? So it's like cleanliness and, yeah. No, it wasn't that great, so, yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 th- I think you find out the issues of cleanliness over time, and I think, you know, as soon as we made
0: every batch, it was gone in a couple, in a, in a couple days. <laughs> nice. So this professor invited you to take part in this uh, beer-making get-together. Yes. And you said that was instrumental in moving you along the way. It really was, because what happened at the end of that day,
1: we ended up going to a microbrewery to pay pay a visit. You know, we kind of did everything we could. Do you want to go to a brewery? We went to the brewery. Just so happens we probably showed up at that brewery, even if we weren't making beer every weekend, and did a tour. Okay. And they were just like, oh, you guys again.
0: <laughs> so you just kept touring? We
1: just kept, we kept showing up until... Some people we, go to church once a week. Exactly. <laughs> we we just almost became part, part of the family at that yeah. point. And, you know, it was, you know, we said, you know, they needed help with something. We were a couple able bodies there ready
0: to help. And that's okay. exactly what happened. Tom, what was the state of microbrews back then? Because I I think of, uh, I graduated high school in 84, you know, college in the early 80s, or sorry, mid to late 80s. I remember in the early 90s, microbrew being a thing. Yes. You know, for me as a consumer. But it sounds like this was going on well before, and I wasn't aware of that. Well, I guess... Uh, President Carter made
1: homebrewing legal again in 1978, ah. um, which which started sparking some places where you could actually buy homebrew equipment. Okay. And it wasn't, like in a sense, contraband at that point. Sure. But also, um, there was some breweries that were starting out in like California, things like that. In fact, the professor that we went, uh, Dr. Clark, he would make a run out to the Sierra Nevada Brewery every summer. And I think they opened in 1986. Okay. And- bring back his, you know, wagon, Just our, fill it what, up. station wagon full of beer, okay. you know, and he would keep it and save it for the whole year. And they eventually go back out there and, uh, and get some more. So we're, and there was a little a couple of our breweries. It was one in, um, middle of Pennsylvania called Stouts that was opened up. Okay. So you were able to find craft beer. It was funny. I had my first craft beer at Thunderbox in the Lehigh Valley mall when I was going to Lehigh at, uh, and it was an Anchor Steam.
0: Okay, sure. And I was going yeah. in there
1: really to get, uh, to just get an imported beer. Because, you know, we really liked beer. We had this whole great, you know, love of, you know, trying new things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I found this beer, Anchor Steam. And I was like, this is made in the United States. We actually make good beer here. I couldn't believe it. Mm. So I was really, you know, psyched. And then eventually had Sierra Nevada and a couple others. And. I you know it started started the wheels turning.
0: Yeah, I remember so. some brands like is, is is does Otter Creek does that ring a bell? Yeah, Out of Vermont Otter Creek, maybe. Yep. And I'm just thinking back in the early '90s when I was you know and it, and it did the same thing in the '90s early '90s not knowing a lot about craft beer but looking for European beers or trying to find German, um, Belgian, yeah. you know that kind of thing. Swiss so. low and Brow, yeah, everything exactly. you know all the exactly. all the fun
1: brands. The so it was yeah
0: it was definitely uh, we were definitely doing that. Fantastic. So what 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 happened next after this kind of exposure to the community, I guess if you will what what was well the there thing? there was the
1: brewing side, which is what we were doing, but you know then came that Friday where we were going to do a promo at a bar, so inner harbor, Maryland. At this place called Bertha's, you know, eat Bertha's mussels. Okay. <laughs> um. They 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 would do the cascale. So we actually had a firkin of beer, and you know, you want to kind how of how much is a firkin? A firkin is ten point eight U.S. gallons. Nice. So and it's one of the ones where you have to bang the spigot into the into the keg to pour it right wow. from the keg, and it's all poured it's by gravity. Classic. Yeah, it really is. It's all it's awesome. And so we're carrying the keg into the into me and an another guy are carrying a keg into the uh, bar but you've got to get through the door and I'm just like I got it you know I'm big enough I can grab both sides okay. I grabbed both sides and went through the door with it myself and the place is packed but it opened like, like a, the sea, the, the sea. <laughs> the and sea. I was able to walk right through put the beer put the keg right up onto the bar because this time I'm pumped. This is, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, put it up there. And the guy's like, hold the keg. And I hold the keg and he hammers the mallet in the owner of the bar. Yeah. This guy, Tony, and he starts pouring beer and he's like, you know, help pour beer. And I'm pouring beer and, you know, handing it out, and I think at that point I said, "This is what I want to do with my life." You just had this was great. <laughs> it's like an epiphany. It really was. You know, I, it, I brought up it the, was
0: excitement. See, uh, the hair on my back of my neck still stands up when I talk about that's awesome. It. Well, I brought up the Jesus turning water into <laughs> right. wine. You know, and I think I uh, made another religious. But this is really it's almost like there's a theme here, Tom. And we didn't we didn't plan this, but <laughs> okay. the parting of the Red Sea, and you walk through with this thing, and you have this epiphany like this is what I want to do. How old were you at the time? In 1920, I was probably 20. 23. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So young guy, <laughs> so what happened? How did you have that desire? Tons of people have a dream, you know, I wish I could be uh, an astronaut and they end up being a janitor. So like <laughs> how did you go from this is what I want to do to to commercializing well, it.
1: it? It took several years. Uh, you know, first thing we, you know, we we end up right at that point, you know, kind of writing a business plan saying this is what we want to do and pretty much being told you're never going to be able to compete with Budweiser. And we kept saying we're not, but nobody would believe us. They didn't understand. So the, we went to a small business place that helped us write a business plan. And okay. they were like, you're going to be considered a, like a restaurant, you know, like, you know, they're going to consider you like opening up a restaurant. And nobody's given anybody money to open up a restaurant, okay. especially guys with no, no experience. Yeah. They
0: fail. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: So w- what happened? We were like, well, we're going to have to save up our own money. So we got jobs and we're working and things like that. And, um, we ended up finding a place that could make us some equipment on a pretty good, reasonable um, you know, pay pay schedule in a sense. And so what we did, we said, no, well, do you take credit cards? And he did. So we basically made the first brewery payments with credit cards. To get the gear. To get the gear, to get everything done. That's and, such and a and classic we had, story. And we had some cash to start paying a rent and and we bought kegs with credit cards and everything. So we ran up our credit cards and started a business. I really think we probably started this place, if you really boil it down to maybe about $25,000.
0: And credit card (laughs) debt. And credit card debt. Wow, Tom. (laughs) I mean, you do hear this story often where an entrepreneur just believes in their thing and they're like, I'm just going to rack up whatever I, I'm going to beg, borrow, and steal to get this thing going. Yeah. And uh, what did your parents think at the time? Uh, They were behind me but they thought they like the same
1: thing. It's like how are you gonna compete with Budweiser? Okay. I even went to my grandfather and did a video of the brewery before we started making beer. It's like here's our kegs, here's our kettle, because I didn't think he was gonna actually believe it unless he saw, saw something. It, yeah. He was in Florida and I was down He's before touch we started. It. Yeah. So you know, I, I still have that video which is pretty funny.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So what was the biggest hurdle? I understand like getting started, credit cards, like just trying to get going. Now let's say you've got a going operation, however big or small it is, what was the biggest hurdle to kind of get this thing to be sustainable and have its own momentum? Was it sales? Was it branding? Was it formulating the right brew? What what was the biggest challenge to establish, I, like to really establish the business?
1: Well, you know, the, the biggest challenge was we were always Always on a shoestring budget. We weren't finance guys. We were never that way. We we're always, you know, we needed to make money yeah. to get something, yeah. or you know, we needed to bring the money in. So we always had that sort of mentality. It's like we we have, and we really worked lean, mm-hmm. and you know, it was, and we did things the hard way in a sense because we started off doing draft only. That's all we had the money to do was sure. like a draft you only bottle. Brewery. You
0: couldn't, couldn't can. right. Yeah. We
1: we couldn't afford that equipment. Right. So we actually, you know, were you know. Getting accounts, building relationships, you know, doing things that way, but also with those relationships really brought us, you know, uh, some some strong, uh, I guess, commitments from from the bar owners and stuff like that. We were the guys delivering the beer in the beginning. Yeah, my, so it was, my grandfather it was used to refer to that.
0: to that as chief cook and bottle washer. Yes. You're just doing it all, right? We were.
1: Yeah, we pretty much did everything. How,
0: how hard was the sales? process? Was it a matter of going into a bar and saying, taste this? Well, or one
1: awesome thing that happened right when we were about to release to the public, Philadelphia had its very first beer festival. Okay. So we showed up to the beer festival. This This, was was 1995. Okay. So we showed up there to the, to the first beer festival, April of 95. And that's where we were really introduced to the public. And we ended up handing out, uh, you know, beers to everybody, and they were just like, I'm a bar owner, I, I need to have, you make this in Philly, yes we do, I need to have you in my bar. I, so our first, the first day we delivered beer was the next the, the next Friday, or it might have been two Fridays. I think we wanted to build up a little bit of inventory, just so we, because uh, yeah, sure. we, we didn't know how things were going to go. And we ended up selling to three different three different places, okay. and there are our first three accounts and they wow. they still serve us today, which is so great.
0: we're sitting today in did you say it's an eighty thousand square foot facility Yes, and so part of that is a retail section you know and i'll post some photos for folks to see on on the um in the show notes but You've got a really nice dining and drinking area. You've got a full-on kitchen. I mean, I could come here and hang out for hours, have dinner, have party, have friends. Absolutely. Yes. We're sitting in the garage piece, so you guys have a section that you've... Uh, it's the same square footage of your original just Yeah,
1: just, just about 1,000 square feet. And a yeah. couple
0: garage doors. Yeah. <laughs> but in the back is this huge brewery. So. Yes. I'm looking back to this business that you're describing. This was not a retail. There's no draft. You're just selling to bars. We're just selling to bars. We're just getting our name out there, getting our beer out there. Okay. Where did the yard's name come from?
1: So we... the brewery that we work for, it's no longer in existence. It was called the British Brewing Company. And we knew we were going to do English ales and we knew what our first beer was
0: going to be. And I'm drinking your classic English ale right (laughs) here. It's the extra special ale. And and folks, I hate to be this way, but (laughs) it's great to be me right now. (laughs) It's a really lovely drink. (laughs) That's awesome. So, So this is your first, this is your first and kind of classic
1: Yes, exactly. Beer. It's wow. a, it's our first beer, and uh, we, we, we sort of had a motto with it. I mean, we we liked this is what we liked. We we liked Ingles Shales. We knew we were going to do Ingles Shales. We had this uh, idea that you know we're going to make this beer for us because you know we're we're the experts here and we yep. know what we like. Yep. And whatever we can't finish, we're going to sell the rest. <laughs> that's back a,
0: that's, then. We that's could why actually, no one <laughs> would finance you, Tom. <laughs>
1: You might be right. They kind of said, "We're going to drink it all yourself." Yeah, it's exactly. like, "Yes, I am. I can do it." <laughs> but it, but what we but you know what we ended up doing was actually not drinking it all. We would drink it all ourselves, but we'd sell it to the bar first and buy it from them. Nice. So yeah, that was a great thing, a way, a great way absolutely. to build build up uh, confidence in your product and stuff like that. You're there drinking the first couple beers off the keg at every bar that you delivered beer to, and it was noticed. Yeah, it was, it was great.
0: That's fantastic. So obviously there's. Go
1: ahead. So, so back to the naming. Um, we we knew it was going to be something, you know, within this English. We wanted something that sounded British and English and everything, and we thought of Scotland Yard, and ah, we were going to be something okay. Yard. But you know, we we it, like I said, it took us a few years to get into, into into business, into actually producing beer, and everybody's asking us how's yards doing, and it just turned into yards Brewing oh, Company.
0: Okay. So they just—that's how people are referring to it. Yeah, you didn't have a huge brand recognition yet, anyway. No. So it's like, let's just call. Hey, people are calling it this yards, just,
1: yards. So we, and the great thing is, we've moved. This is our fifth location. We would have had to change the name. We could have been Mannion Yards, Roxborough Yards, Northern towns. Liberties Yards, yeah. you know, Kensington Yards, all these things. And that's awesome. So it just—it
0: just turned into yards, which is great. I love it. What a fantastic story. You know, so you kind of roll out to the public. Uh, and when I say the public, it's really the uh, bar owner public um, in the 90s. How did you go from being more of a, let's say, a manufacturer, a producer, to also a retail? like how long have you been a retail experience how long has have people been able to walk in off the street and So only mirror?
1: the last two breweries did we have a real retail location uh the third the the third to last we actually did tours and did a tasting after the tours but didn't really But
0: there was no dining area There was no area, over no the drinking, pint or yeah. dining
1: or anything like that the last one we had a small kitchen and we would have some uh Food trucks on the weekends when okay. we did our tours, okay. and it you know we realized that wow we could really do something with this, especially people wanting to have events there, sure, and things like that. And it sort of you know kind of kind of grew into that because in the beginning we were like well we don't know anything about running a restaurant. And we didn't. Right, right. But and then we didn't, when it really wasn't that important, we didn't think back then until, until like 2010 is when we opened our first restaurant area.
0: But what, what changed that for you? So I'm in your shoes. I'm thinking, look, I know how to make beer. I know how to sell it to bars. Right. Maybe I know a little bit about branding just because people know Yards now. It's, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we've got a brand established. I want to stick to that. Well, part of it was location.
1: Okay. You know, we ended up moving from we were in in a neighborhood which was kind of a rough neighborhood okay. uh when we were in Kensington. There's there's a brewery there now. The neighborhood's gentrified amazingly, so that that's awesome. But back when we were there, you were really locking yourself in. Okay, you know, so (laughs) it was a commitment. (laughs) Any kind of a cash transaction would probably be noticed too much. Okay, so uh, and then when we we, the last brewery we were at was right here on Delaware Avenue. It was at a busy main street. They just they were in the middle of building a casino right behind us. Okay, it was like there's a great opportunity for a retail right. thing to happen here and we took advantage of that.
0: Well, it's a classic. I mean, Philly Philly in some ways is a rough town. You get into Philly and some parts are tough. Yeah. It's also a beautiful city. It's got a very eclectic but Philly's got roots. It goes way back. I mean, this is this is the birth of the country kind of city. But but the nice thing, like you're on this, is it Spring Garden Ave? Is that what it's called? Spring Garden Street, yeah. Street. And what is this? Is it this neighborhood have a name? And the reason I'm asking is there's a real neighborhood community feel. Yes. It's, it's definitely in the city. I mean, we're right in Philly. Yep. We're in, we're in Northern Liberties,
1: right okay. north of what they call Old City. Okay. So Old City, you know, five blocks south of us is the Liberty Bell.
0: Right, So right. we're
1: right near. You
0: got Edgar Allen Poe yeah. uh, right down the street, yep. We yeah. have the
1: German society across the street from that. Yeah. So we're we're in a, we're in an area which is, you know, always being cons- center city. Yeah. So we're, you know, probably uh, one of the larger breweries that's this close to like a major sure. city in, in in the whole country. And
0: the reason I bring that up is to say retail in this kind of location makes so much sense. Because yeah. you've got community, you've got lots of people coming through. And this seems even though it's it's still got some um it's not so gentrified that it's It's still authentic. You walk down the street here, you're keeping your eyes open, but at the same time, I don't feel unsafe. Yeah,
1: so when we moved in here, just before we moved in, they changed the zoning of this area. This was like a little industrial area right between Northern Liberties and Old City. Now it's more changed to what they call commercial mixed use. Yep, yep. So all these bigger buildings are not going to be around here as much anymore. And they're going to be more storefronts with apartments or condos sure. above it. Sure. So it's really going to, the, the whole neighborhood's changing and we're right in the
0: middle of it once again, which is yeah. great. This is fantastic. <laughs> I, I just love, I love what you've got going on here. Uh, I, before I hit the road to come down to see you today, I shot out to Twitter and LinkedIn and said, Hey, I'm meeting Tom Kehoe today at Yard's. What <laughs> questions do you guys have for him? Do you mind if I sure, throw a couple that, of internet that'd be awesome. questions yeah, at you? That's All right. great. So, so the one in this, I hate to even ask this because I feel like this could start a fight. I want to get out of Philly <laughs> as a New Yorker in one piece. So my question is, uh, one of the questions was, who has the best cheesesteaks in Philly? That's really hard for me to answer. <laughs> See, I um, get to go home, but you're, you're stuck here, so you've got to give the right answer.
1: I mean, they, they all make awesome cheesesteaks, and there's the touristy joints, which is Pat's and Gino's. Okay, right, and, which is classic. Everybody, they, yeah. They, but but I, I, they're not my go-to. My go-to is going to be John's Roast Pork or Tony Luke's, Okay, which are more of the you know sort of... Uh, to me, it's like they're, they're, they're the hardier cheesesteaks and are not, you know, as the, the lights of South Philly tourism. Okay. So they're, they're just the places where I'm going to get my cheesesteak.
0: Good answer. Good <laughs> answer. Guys, you heard it here. Uh, you're taking a trip into Philly or if, I know I have listeners in Philly. Uh, but you heard it from Tom.
1: You know, it's funny. People are, will argue cheesesteaks <laughs> and it's almost like people will argue beers. Right, right. But us brewery owners are all friends and okay. we're all in the same business together and we have a real lot in it's common. It's fraternal. From yeah. what I understand, the cheesesteak guys, it's the same thing. Okay. They don't dislike each other. They're all in the same business. It's all the people who choose their, you know, choose their winner sure. that, they, that they tout. Sure. So that, that's why they think there's a, there's a big thing between the uh, cheesesteak yeah, guys. fair
0: enough. Fair enough. That's <laughs> a good answer. I, I, uh, and an honest answer. I appreciate <laughs> that. Well, that kind of leads into the second question. Uh, one of the folks asked me, Could you ask Tom, what does he feel differentiates his beer, but also his brand? There's a lot of, you know, the custom brewing, the craft brewing. That's just a, it's having a renaissance. Like I talked about, hey, back in the nineties, it became a thing. And I was, as a young guy into some of these, but I feel like it's having a real renaissance now The the ubiquity of quality beers in each town is amazing. Yeah. What sets you apart? What differentiates yards from everybody else? Well, Differentiating, making yards different from
1: everybody else. One thing it's the culture of where of the brewery. I think when you have this great culture that really, you know, loves what they're serving, loves what they're making, and loves what they're drinking. And, you know, we we always say everybody that works here has a shift beer at the end of the day. Okay. Which is awesome. So, I mean, and then you're having that shift beer with the guy you're working next to, and there's, you know, a little bit better relationship because of that. I think that is something that it, it starts there. Okay. Um, but, you know, what we're doing as far as changing our, or making ourselves different and you know viable with the other compared to other breweries is we're we have a real commitment to quality i mean we invested in this new brewery new technology to really make the most consistent best beer that we could and you know we're, we're doing it which is amazing and we really have to thank the people um that you know we bought the brew house from in germany that really you know supplied us with some some great technical advantage and i think that's a big part of what we're doing
0: Tell me a little bit about that, the German brew house. You took me for a quick tour. So the brew house is where the actual brewing takes place. Yes.
1: So we have a fully automated Zeeman brew house. It's a brew length of 100 barrels, which would be... Two hundred kegs or or fourteen hundred cases.
0: Nice. How many firkins is that? <laughs> how many <firkins? laughs> I'll How much on the spot? Yeah. you don't have to. Answer I don't that. know how to do that math, but
1: but it would be it would be over two hundred. Yeah, because they're the are more than a half keg. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, you know, the the automation and the uh, the way that we're able to, uh, you know, with, with our lab control um, everything that we're doing really really makes uh, things work here. Which so what I'm
0: hearing is there's a, there's a culture of passion and love for what you do. Yeah. And it's not just, well, the brewmaster has a passion. Everybody in the organization, there's a, there's a level of, I'm in this because I love this. And I'm proud of the work that I put out. And and I'm assuming somehow that shows up in the product. But it's not just a culture. You've invested in that passion, meaning, hey, we've consulted with these Germans. We've got this system that, that is uh, a step above. I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah. but yeah, it, it really is. So, and how does that end up for the consumer, like the folks that walk in the door? What does that mean for them?
1: Um, hopefully, it's a it's another level of trust. They get to see everything because our our, our our tap room is sitting right next to the brew house, yeah, right next to our yeast room and, and uh, um, I guess a valve matrix, which sends the beer all through the brewery. Okay, and also where you can watch people bottle and can the beer right there. And the great thing is when it's a nice nice out. In the summer, uh, or in more like it's more like that, couple weeks in the fall and couple weeks in the spring, you can have a beer underneath the the fermentation tanks, which are outside on the street side, and you have you know six hundred barrels of beer above
0: you. You know, can, I'm I'm just going to reflect something back to you. I don't usually do this, but as I'm listening to you, I'm hearing your story from the beginning. Yeah. You and your buddy, what was his first name? <laughs> John Bovet. Yeah. John. So, you and your buddy John, you guys were passionate. Yeah. You're going to this microbrew, you're volunteering, you're involved, you're bringing your keg in, you're saying, hey, drink my product. It seems to me what you've created here is is what you loved as a young guy, which is come in here, see it being made, taste it, enjoy it with great people, be around people that love this. Wrap your arms around it. I feel like what your, <laughs> your product is the experience that you had as a young guy. You're selling that to people today. Yeah. Is that accurate?
1: Very accurate. Yeah, it really it was, is. It was
0: that purposeful?
1: Um, it was in a way because what I always say, it's like, always go back to why, to why you started the brewery. You know, I, people ask me, it's like advice and things like that. Even if financially you can't do it right away, get back to that and be part and to show people that this is why you got into the business and this is what's important to you.
0: My guest today is Tom Kehoe. He is the founder and owner of Yards Brewing. We're going to take a quick break, refill our glasses and be right back. Guys, I hope you're enjoying today's show. I've got to tell you, I really love putting this podcast together. There's something really special about meeting these business owners, hearing their stories, and then getting those stories out to you, the community that makes up the currency. Thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you for helping me make this podcast so successful. Now, look, if you are a business owner and you're trying to scale your business, you're trying to grow, maybe introduce new products, maybe capture new markets, or just capture more share in your existing market, I'd love for you to get in touch. I'd love to help you. You know, I'm a brand and marketing strategist. I help the owners of private businesses transform their marketing from an overhead function, something that costs them money, to a revenue-generating machine, something that brings money into the business every dollar you spend should generate exponential return and so I love working with folks that own businesses to help them do that transformation if that's something you think you could use some help with let's at least have a discussion get in touch like I said my email address is mike at mikegaston.com you can also go to my website mikegaston.com there's a contact form there but get in touch and let's get a discussion started now guys let's get back to today's show And we're back. I'm Mike Gaston. You're listening to The Currency. I am talking today with Tom Kehoe, the founder and owner of Yards Brewing. Tom, welcome back. Thank you. This is a fantastic conversation. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Um, one question that uh, came up, we'll kind of start with this in, in, as we get into the second half, is that craft brewing is, is expected to grow. I would think we're already at peak brewing, if, the, if there's such a thing. Um, Where do you see the market going over time? I mean, do do you see the same thing? Have you heard that it's supposed to keep growing? And if so, where are we going with all this? Well, things are
1: really, really changing in the beer industry right now. How so? So there's about 8,000 breweries, or by the end of the year, there's going to be close to 8,000 small breweries in the country. When I first started, there was only about 650 so big difference right now. And what's happening, they are taking a little bit of the market share. And there's other things coming into the beer market which are pulling beer sales down.
0: Well, wine's picked up. I would think uh, whiskey, scotch, bourbons. Uh, there's a lot of different craft, drinks. Craft hard seltzers. Craft <laughs> Okay, it's like so.
1: Right, right now they are the biggest growing segment. They've outgrown beer. Is that Uh,
0: White Claw? White Claw
1: truly. Okay, all these. I'm starting to hear some of these brands. You know, just just like you would buy like a LaCroix seltzer at Whole Foods with like the lime flavor, you can buy one that has alcohol in it. And that's like White Claw, you know, okay. with the lime flavors, with the mango, with all these things. So it's another segment um, that's uh, – you know, and in a sense, everybody's been saying for this last year, it's been eating craft beer's lunch or eating beer really? itself's lunch. Really? Because a lot of people go for light beer because of calories. That's one of the big claims with the seltzer. It's low in calories, but it has alcohol. Right. So it's – And you a- probably
0: are attracting um- – and this may, taste may change. I, I see nowadays like a young couple, male, female, they're both drinking beers and they're loving it. Yep. But I know historically, like my generation, you know, women want to drink wine coolers. Yep. You know? So I would imagine some of these seltzers are attracting... It's, it's like the wine cooler in okay. a sense.
1: Also what's happening, craft beer has a higher price point than the macro beers. Sure. So we, people are used to paying craft beer prices which allowed the macro beers who are selling a little bit less beer to raise their price a little bit. They're not not losing Uh, money. They're not losing their price. It's all margin for them. It is. And when you're making millions of cases, you know, that 25 cents to a dollar price increase really goes to their bottom line. The so, shareholders
0: are grateful.
1: <laughs> yes. So craft beer is not only helping itself to a little bit of market share, but it's also allowing the macros to have a little bit of a price range. Is, so
0: there's the, the price increase, there's the entry of other kinds of beverages into the space. Yep. Is the demographic, I shouldn't say demographic, but is the, are the numbers growing? Are there more people drinking
1: well, alcohol in general? There, there, there really isn't more people drinking. People are drinking less. And we, we always say they're drinking less but drinking better, which is more of the craft beer. Sure. Um, but they're also, you know, being more health conscious. And that's why I think these seltzers and possibly some even ciders that are coming out are making, sure. making
0: a little bit more headway. Cider is also hitting that uh, gluten-free category. So, so what what do you see as the future then with those kinds of pressures? My marketing mind starts, you know, <laughs> You know, the strategy, I'm thinking, okay, what do you do? Like, how, What's your response so to what, that? So what I've noticed,
1: what a lot of craft brewers that are my size, maybe even smaller, now these, a lot of these breweries aren't opening up real production breweries where they're selling beer out. They're opening up breweries with tasting rooms where they're bringing people into their space, showing them their, their passion where they okay. are, and serving them a beer right over the bar. Okay. And that's where the segment's growing, and that's where they're, they have enough because the margins are so much better with by the glass than by the keg that they're able to survive and have a good little business. And
0: that's where you're positioned right now. We are on, yeah. the, on a much bigger scale because we're a much bigger brewery. How many folks can you seat here on a given day? Uh, the, the main tasting room
1: is about 280, including where we are right now. And then we have a, a banquet room upstairs that'll do 150-seated, 200-cocktail style.
0: Okay. And then and we have an
1: outdoor area that might do 55.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, weather permitting, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And how many employees do you have? We have
1: 158 employees. Wow. Uh, 106 are full-time, and the, the others part-time. Sure, so
0: you've got some servers yes. and bartenders. exactly. But it sounds like the bulk of people are working your production facility, or is that not accurate?
1: Um, bulk, bulk is more the, the taproom and the kitchen okay. and event space that okay. we're doing. But, I mean, almost half of that is working the brewery, working the packaging line, working the warehouse, doing the office, marketing, and uh,
0: other things like that. So. That's, that's fantastic. Um, and salespeople out on the road. That's right. So do you have full time? Do, do you do sales direct? Do, you own, do your salespeople work for you directly, or do you use our sales like people, a rep agency? Our
1: salespeople work for us directly, but we go through the wholesaling system. So we okay. sell our beer to a bigger wholesaler who delivers to all the bars and restaurants. Gotcha. We work closely with them, not only and also with the bar, you know, to make sure they know what we have because we're selling our product. They're selling maybe twenty different products, sure. or maybe a hundred, depending on the wholesaler. Sure.
0: So. Well, do me a favor. We talked—I was joking earlier about the religious kind of theme, right? So you've got the uh, the Red Sea parting, you know, yes. so you come in with your, your firkin, and um, I can't believe you didn't blow out your back, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your motto. Your motto is brew unto others, yeah. and I think that's just—like, from a marketing perspective, it's genius, I, it's memorable— Uh, And it kind of, it's reminiscent of the golden rule, which, you know, like treat others, you know, uh, you know, treat your neighbor as thyself, et cetera. Tell me a little bit about the brew unto others. Well, we,
1: as a brewery, we have sort of like uh, core beliefs, things like that. You know, we want to be, you know, good people. We want to have, you know, we want to be able to laugh at ourselves. Um, We want to have quality beer, things like that. Part of what we do, it's like, you know, we're doing all these things. We're trying to be good stewards for the environment. Uh, we're, we're trying to, you know, make sure all our people, you know, who have health care, we do like a 401k. We do a lot of things. And we say it's like we want to show people that we're doing this and be like, you should do this, too.
0: Okay. So
1: it's real. Bruin others started out as buy someone a beer. Give someone a beer, buy someone a beer, do someone a and salad. then kept and then keep bringing it up a little, another notch hmm. each time. You know, it's like talk about, you know, it's like, hey, social stewardship, part of the community. You know, try to be part of Philadelphia, try to be part of Philadelphia's sports demographic. You know, just being like, you know, it's like you, we're doing this, you should do this too. You know, we. You know, we, we want to be good examples of a business and, you know, kind of, you know, say like, you know, if you want to know what we're doing, we're happy to talk about that with you.
0: I really appreciate that because, you know, you could have a clever agency, an ad agency that comes in and says, hey, this is sexy, it's fun. We're going to come up with a, a tagline. Right. And it could just be a marketing ploy. It's like brew onto others. Oh, I love it. We, we donate almost three tractor trailers a year to charities. Wow, our, of, of our, alcohol, of,
1: yeah, of of beer, yes, so of your own product, yes. okay. So it's we have you know request every day, you know, really we have a whole system that's set up online to answer these things and to be able to get people sure. the beer that they need, you know, because some people are doing fundraisers, yep. Some people are you know actually doing some big events where they could use a little hand, things like that. Mm-hmm. We also have a couple beers that we do that have ties to. Uh, to charities, we just the one we just did was uh, Make the World Better Foundation, okay. which is Connor Barwin's foundation. He was a he was an eagle and a and a giant uh, football player, and he lives here in Philadelphia. And he's using the money that he raises to make pe- make all the playgrounds better. The okay. kids, wow, things like that. So that's one of them we do. We do another beer called Pink that has a breast cancer tie. Sure, we, we, sure. we sponsor two different um, charities: the Tiana Foundation, which all the money goes to research, okay. and Twist Out Cancer, which is more of the psychological effects uh, from having cancer yeah. that people need to deal with. And they've been great partners. And you know, you know, a portion of our sales of Pink go to that. That's fantastic. We got a little ribbon on the. Uh, on the can too. I love And I let <laughs> you
0: spell P Y N K, right? It was yeah. just pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a really well-designed can. So Tom, as you have been doing this for multiple years, you've grown, this is your third or fourth location, fifth location, fifth, okay, yeah. fifth location, 80,000 square feet. Now you're, uh, you're producing out in the back, you're bottling, you're canning, i just, you're doing draft for bars. Um, I looked online, you're, Supplying the the Mid Atlantic essentially, it sounds like your New Jersey, Delaware, uh, Maryland. Are you into New York at all? I don't. See We're not in... into New York yet. No. Okay, I would love and for that it, to happen after having you know, this we, English we, We've
1: talked about it. I mean, the farthest we go is Pittsburgh, which would be a lot closer yep. to go to New York. Yep. Um, but. As of right now, there is all these little breweries that are popping up every week. A
0: lot of competition. And,
1: you know, to be a new brewery used to be a big thing when you go into a wholesaler. Now, they're introducing... A beer week, pretty yeah, much. sure. And we just don't want to be one of those beers of the week. Mm-hmm. We felt it was better to pull back, try to sell more beer right where we are in Philadelphia Smart. and the surrounding area. And we call it like the Philly sports demographic. You know, sell beer right there, advertise to those kind of people, and, you know, try to, you know, get more of a market share because it's the easiest share to grow
0: right Do you, now. Do you have any idea, like uh, retail-wise, in this location that we're in right now, how many people come through here in a year? I don't know. Or just, or like how many pints are served? I'm just curious, like, (laughs) I I, started to put you on the spot. I'm just curious, like, the volume uh, that goes through here.
1: um, I know know a lot of the numbers. I'm not sure exactly how many pints. I would say that I know that we go through on some weekends, it might be up to 20 kegs on a a weekend here.
0: How many glasses are in a keg? So there's
1: 110 glasses in a keg. Oh, my
0: gosh. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Well, tell me where I was going with my earlier, as I was kind of building up, is uh, the question around challenge, like what's been your biggest challenge as a business owner? I, you know, you, you, you told me you started as an engineer, then you shifted over to business. Yep. You guys are making, <laughs> I just love this dorm room beer, you know, <laughs> and how it evolved. It comes out of the passion and love. But now you've got this 80,000 square foot facility, over 100 employees. I mean, you're in multiple states. What's been the biggest challenge through your whole journey? Um, I think part of it is, you know, as we change as a company, you know,
1: not, not only have I changed a few partners along the way, which is always a challenge. Um, and then, you know, finding the right one, which is the one we have now, which is uh, Trevor. He's amazing uh, numbers guy and, you know, really has a passion, passion for what we're doing. It and takes
0: more of the business side. It takes of the more of the business administrative. side so we can, we
1: can have fun being creative. You're the brewmaster yeah. <laughs> as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah and you know and that, and that's that's you know a big part of just how we just want to innovate so it works out pretty
0: good so the biggest challenge has been if you were to distill it down and is it just finding the right partner
1: it's 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 managing your growth really mm. i mean you know cuz i mean that's kind of why the you know the, why those changes happen cuz we were just growing yeah. and you know it was just sort of being able to manage growth and manage the you know the finance that has to go along with that sure. i mean right now we did a big growth by increasing our capacity and building a new brewery now we got to pay for it yeah <laughs> so yeah. it's all those things that happen like that so. no
0: doubt we're getting someone checking on us to see if we want something else to drink what do you recommend tom um i'm gonna
1: have I'm, do you like lagers do you like german lagers i do okay i'm two loyal lagers then okay all right awesome thank you
0: so as you talk about managing growth what You you know, I I think of um, a lot of businesses start because an entrepreneur has a passion for what they do, making beer or fixing cars or, you know, whatever that thing is. And that evolves into this business. Usually those businesses get to a certain and It's only, it's like the business grows as much as the owner's able to do on their own. Mm -hmm. This business has clearly transcended your personal capabilities. I mean, it's, it's big. Yeah. So I understand saying, well, you know, I've got a partner that's good at the business side of things. But what did Tom Kehoe do to be able to free himself up to say, okay, I've got to I've got to let this thing become something more than just Tom. Right. What did you do? Well, first thing I do, you start to have to
1: let go of a few things that you've been doing the whole time, even if it's something simple like paying the tt the tax to the ttb or what was the atf letting somebody else do that for you was that hard to let go it was hard it really was and then you know once you did that and that was successful other things were easier to let go and let people let people do it deal with it
0: did you get your fingers burned in the process (laughs) no okay so it worked out
1: okay yeah it really worked out um you know every now and then I might you know it's like you know I don't choose the sportswear anymore for the most part, okay I might have a little bit of say it's like yeah, get get those colors, but for the most part,
0: they are somebody else is doing that now so that being said, what is it that you like to focus on now, assuming that you're not doing everything in the business uh, like you were back in the day? What do you like to focus on
1: so I'm focused on you know being the best cheerleader in in the place. I'm always out there meeting people you know passing on, like, you know, knowledge of the business to people and being like, hey, you know, this is what we do here at Yards and, you know, sort of building relationships with the bar owners that I've probably known for 25 years Yeah, just because we've been in the same business. Sure. So you're like the brand ambassador. Brand ambassador. Also, you know, just, you know, helping with, uh, you know, implement whatever the marketing team wants us to put out there. Okay. Which is great.
0: That's awesome. So as you look back at, uh, how many years has it been now? It's been... more than twenty. It's been. It's been. It's twenty-five years. Twenty-five now, yeah. years. What are you most proud of in the business?
1: <laughs> I think it's the fact that we've grown this much. The growth of the business and where we are today. There was no way I would have pictured us to to be this size. I mean, there was no breweries this big when I when I first started. In a sense, that well, you can't were,
0: beat Budweiser. That's no, what everybody that, told you, right? That's <laughs> Right.
1: And and we're not even close to them. But just being a bigger one of the smaller breweries, I think, you know, was it was really, you know, I, I would have never thought we could ever do that. I just thought it would be a small business that, you know, we just had passion in doing and just, uh,
0: almost like a cottage industry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Almost
1: like a lifestyle business. And, you know, and that's not, that's not what I ever really wanted. I wanted to, you know, sell beer and, you know, be proud of it and bring it, bring it to as many places
0: as we could. How many, how many barrels go out of here at, uh, in so a year? So we're
1: producing about 45,000 barrels of beer of wow. our own stuff right now. Wow, so That's something.
0: And do you do some private label work as we, well? We do. The we're contract? doing some
1: contract brewing. We're making uh, some beer for some other breweries. And we're actually making some seltzer for uh, a local seltzer company.
0: So, Tom, what um, – well, wait a minute. I've got to back up you're talking seltzer well they, aren't they the competition aren't they the ones eating into your profits
1: they are but but it's the breweries that
0: are uh, that are making uh, the seltzers okay so all right I hey mean, it's, it's uh, you got to diversify a little bit <laughs> Yep. well I was going to ask as you're looking forward you know you're twenty five years in super successful respected brand in Philadelphia great great location fantastic product it's taking its toll on the interviewer here um, What's your vision for the company? Where, where, where do you want to go? What, what do you want to accomplish over the next number of years in the future? Well, we
1: always talk about being Philly's brand, being more of Philly's brand. And I think that's something that we really, you know, we're doing that. We're in the craft beer world. We're the, we're the brewery in Philadelphia. But, you know, we want, to be, we want to be as synonymous with Philadelphia as a soft pretzel and a cheesesteak. Mm. And you got to get your yard's beer and that's that 's where we really want to be, I think uh, that means growing a little bit right here that might mean um, you know getting re- reaching out to some more areas and getting a little bit bigger footprint of our distribution, which we can do, but I think you know right here is where you know we 're going to have the most impact and we 're going to have the most uh, recognition. People think we 're a lot bigger than we are, and we 're really not that big. Uh, but I think that's just because that's the kind of personality we've put out there. It's like, we're the big guys. Yeah. But then again, you know, don't, don't forget about us. Cause we're, we're really not that big. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> My guest today is Tom Kehoe. He is the founder and uh, co-owner along with Trevor of, of Yards Brewing Company. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today on the currency. Very, very excited. So this it's is great. Fantastic conversation. <laughs> Thanks again. And, and uh, folks, I'm going to put a link up in the uh, in the show notes. Please check out Yard's. Um, you can go to the website. It's just yardsbrewing.com. That's Y-A-R-D-S, brewing.com. I'll put a link up there. You can also check out their Instagram account. They've got links on their website to their different accounts. They're pretty active, and uh, I think you'll enjoy... Uh, following them and interacting with the company. And if you are in the Philly area, you got to check it out. Make sure when you walk in the door that you tell them, hey, I heard about you on The Currency. Also, if you have not done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. I talk to people like Tom Kehoe weekly. We hear their stories and get to get a little deeper uh, behind the scenes and understand what they've gone through to build their business. Uh, you can subscribe to The Currency on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Anywhere the fine podcasts are provided. Guys, I love you all, and I will catch you in the next episode.